0: Do you have the ability to choose when to end a bad emotion? When to end an emotion? Like, do you have the ability to choose that? Or do you just stay angry until you're not angry anymore? Because I think if you stay angry until you're not angry anymore, you're going to end up with a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment, and end up hurting a lot of other people in the same way that you've been hurt and perpetuating a cycle that you cannot sustain, nor can the world. Hello and welcome. This is Brian Delaney with Unlock Potential, where we get together with top experts in their field who have simple, profound advice to help you and I live better lives, to be able to be more fit to serve the people around us and answer that question. The question that nags within all of us, how good can I be and how great can I make it for people around me? I had a great conversation with uh, Meredith Ellison. Uh, there was so much packed in there from her. Uh, she just has a very different way of flowing through life and a different mindset. So it's always cool to be able to learn from other people and get their perspective, grab onto their perspective, whether agree or disagree, it, it always helps to inform, uh, inform my own. And one thing that I just sensed from her was just a real heart for people. And that heart for people comes from her knowing how it felt not to be in a good place on her own journey and give the gift of that peace, of that power, of the tools and resources in order to help other people show up in a bigger way in their own life. And to do that in a heart-centered, caring, careful way um, that uh, that also commands change right that also commands change i think a lot of people do one or the other well and i think there's a great mixture that she brings to the table of where she calls on herself to not only be healthy but to be uh to be able to get great results and to do those things the right way for people in order to create a great life whether those are her children or whether those are um, other bus- other people who are in our business as a founder of a company, um, in all of the roles that she fills, I think that's uh, I think that's really that's that's really powerful and impactful.
1: There's always culture. Yeah, you're always in a culture. Okay, right. And mm-hmm. so, no matter what you're doing, what you're doing it with, there a culture exists. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what I hope to instill in myself, and then hopefully create some kind of inspiration to others, is is kind of taking your power back over your own culture Hmm. uh, and being very intentional with it. Um, And so that's kind of what uh, Ripple has been about is um, kind of letting people understand at the end of the day, you know, Brian and I have talked about this over the years. You know, one day we're going to be 95 years old and we're going to be sitting on our rocking chairs and and we're going to ask that, what mattered hmm. what mattered hmm. and you can really boil it down to two things it's the relationships you create and how you show up in those and so for culture i think it's about being intentional and um, creating a space and creating a responsibility of of taking ownership and how you show up to that place
0: and hmm. straight out of the gate we had an opportunity uh to talk about culture And right away, she said something that I think every single business owner, family, parent, doesn't matter who you are. You need to know that whether you're intending to or not, you are building a culture, whether you have built a culture or not, a culture is still present. And so we have this word culture that's been floating around business and entrepreneurship for a long time. And I think a lot of, th- a lot of times it's, it's the way we center that around, are, are the employees happy? Right? Are they productive? Right? Are are the cut? Is it are they uh, curating and creating an experience for the customer? And I think where culture starts, culture starts within us. What it what is a culture that we bring to our leadership teams? What's a culture that you bring to your family? What's a culture that you bring to, uh, to your clients and your customers? Because uh, that subculture is going to influence every other culture you're a part of. And it's going to tell you hot or cold, Are is it going to be there? Um, is are you, do you belong in that place? And so I think being definitive around building a culture where people are seen, where people are heard, where we give people opportunities to grow and we communicate through hard things and expect results. Give me a better definition around culture for any company. (laughs) I, I just can't think of one. That seems like such a precise way of understanding that because, Uh, it, before it might've been okay to go to use people as automatons to get results, but we know that doesn't last anymore because people have so many more choices and people exercise those choices. So if you build a culture where people are just used up and then tossed aside when they're not useful to you anymore, then that pattern is going to continue in your business and worse off, you're going to create that pattern. We as leaders can create that pattern in our own lives. And then we may end up surprised when somebody uses us until uh, we're wrung out like a rag and then tosses us aside for that next thing. And so we all, I believe, have a responsibility to each other and to our industry, even especially in industries that aren't uh, necessarily looked on with a lot of esteem we all have the responsibility of building a culture where it's like, no, we freaking take care of our clients. We take care of clients. We have difficult conversations. We check in on each other's happiness. We, we really, we do listen. We just don't wait for our time to talk with the preset agenda that we brought into the situation. So, I think that's so I think that's so powerful when it comes to entering into the business and beginning with the end in mind, whether that's a career, a business or any relationship.
1: I think, too, like letting your kids or and again, this is again, like listen to them. They come in with such they come in with just who they are. Yeah, and it's, we don't. Our cl- biggest thing is not to get in their way. Yeah. But how do I how do I listen to who they are? How mm-hmm. how do I see them for how they're wired? Yeah. How do I create an environment that helps them grow into being their individual selves, mm-hmm. not somebody? Brandon and I are uh, just mini me's of us. Yeah. They're very much their own people, um, and helping them recognize their superpowers.
0: Yeah. So cool.
1: Tell them, like, you killed it real here. I think we always are giving feedback sometimes when they're not doing what we yeah. think they should do or thing. But to really say, like, I noticed you today. Yeah. And that worked really well. I, I encourage them when we go to school, tell me when we get home about something that you notice someone doing something kind today.
0: Oh, wow. That's Help great. them
1: start to notice outside them their own selves yeah. what other people are doing that are breeding kindness. So little things like that.
0: Another, uh, another topic that we got to hit on was just one of my favorite topics, which is just raising kids, because I think the adults that we don't like dealing with today were the poorly raised children of a previous generation. And that sucks. And we have a lot of bad parenting on display in our society right now, right? People who just don't, people who are more focused on their differences and their similarities. We're all just freaking people like like one thing that I think is so powerful is just like starting with our own family starting in our own households and I think that's such a big focus that we have to have because parenting is hard it's a hard thing to do it's people don't realize that they're like oh I've had a kid it's like People want to throw like a baby shower. I just like, I, I want to like help those people. It's like, I understand what that's like. Cause everybody's like, oh, that's so exciting. Aren't you excited? Or, and they use this word exciting. It's like, I don't know. Like, I hope you're ex- I, I hope you're looking forward to it, but it, you're about to go through the hardest, best thing you've ever done. The hardest, best freaking thing you've ever done. And I think that's so powerful for people to accept that. And so when it's hard, they're like, well, this is supposed to be exciting. Right? Cause everybody asked me if I was excited. No, it's not. This part sucks. You have another human being that at one point is going to be an adult that's completely dependent on 100% of your decisions in order to survive. When was the last time you had that in your life? And I'll give you the answer. If you're, if you're not a parent, you have never had that in your life. You have never had that kind of pressure. It's like, what if I forget a coat? They get cold. What if I don't remember to eat them? They're going to be grumpy (laughs) kids, right? (laughs) Like, people don't like to use big words around about kids. I do because they can be, they can be assholes just like anybody else. (laughs) Like, but we have to set that situation up. And it's the same for leadership. Are we creating environments where people can be successful and feel good? Where that's even available? right? Or are we communicating with our kids in ways that are just like dysfunctional and we wouldn't want to see, but we feel like we are entitled to as parents. And that's why we talk so much about communication is because I think that's one of the biggest challenges. I heard, um, Joe Rogan say on a podcast years ago that he doesn't yell at his kids. And I was like, damn, (laughs) that's gotta be tough. And I realized what I was doing when I, was, uh, when, I was, when I was in that state and when I was giving off that energy and when I was saying those words, that I was hurting, I wasn't helping. And the only person who I thought I was helping was myself. And that wasn't acceptable. And I see people get so angry at their kids like they meant to do it. Like they were trying to be wrong and therefore they need to be punished. It's like correction and punishment are two different things they're two different things. And if you feel like your child needs to be punished because they had bad intentions, then maybe that's a reflection of how you feel about more. That's more of an accurate reflection about how you feel about yourself than it is about this tiny being that barely has a personality yet because they're just new into this world, whether they're two, three, five, whatever it is. And so just learning how to communicate and learning how to uh, dial in, dial ourselves in learning how to set those boundaries, whether it's with other people, um, what, uh, learning how to have good boundaries and good self-awareness. I think all of that is so important in how we show up. And the more, the more your ability to affect, uh, the more you have the ability to affect change in your own state, the more you're going to naturally have influence over other people's states. Okay. So it, it does start here. So. If I find myself at home saying, I wish you would just stop yelling, right? <laughs> right? Or I find myself at home being in a place where I'm like trying to push perfection on this little human being that is just real, not perfect, but they're perfectly real at this point. They're, they're uninhibited that I'm causing trauma that I'm, I may have to pay for later, but they're definitely going to have to pay for that later. 100% they're going to have to pay, for the, pay the price for that later. So learning as a parent, learning as a leader how to be the type of person who even in the midst of correction uh, really carries uh, themselves in a way that they would want that other person to, to mimic, that they would want imitation of that. So if there's something that I want, that's something I'm going to bring first. I'm going to give that person a choice to choose to do that. And I I feel really fortunate because I had parents who were working on themselves in that arena. They were by no means perfect. They did things really well in a lot of ways, but they still had growth to do, but they were much further along than where their parents were like by a generation, like generations are important by a generation. They were so much further along. So while my parents started at home plate, I got to start at first base. And if I get to start at first base, and I, I love this because Meredith talked about privilege, um, my, my son is, ver- is a very privileged human being. He's privileged and I've earned the right for him to be privileged. I've worked hard, I've gotten the results. That's one of the reasons, it's one of my pushes to work is for him. So I, I've earned that. And she said a very powerful thing, I never want my kids to have to apologize for that privilege because that privilege is a good thing. I do want them to be aware of it so that they can use that to benefit themselves and other people. And I think that's just a really phenomenal perspective that is not communicated enough around privilege, around children, around wealth, around money. And I think the thing that comes up the most is like, there are sometimes times where people, uh, people don't acknowledge that. And so their kids walk around feeling ashamed about that rather than empowered through it. And that's the hope that we have for everybody because not everyone is going to get to be there. It is a privileged position. So are you using that privilege to benefit others who cannot benefit themselves at this point in their life Or are you using that just to build entitlement and cultivate entitlement in your own life about all the stuff that you shouldn't have to do that others need to do for you? Because whether you're privileged or not, that outcome, as far as a human being, is crappy. Nobody wants to be around that kind of human being. And so when it comes to parenting, learning how to communicate, learning how to behave myself as a parent, learning the structure, understanding the structure of a family, and she nailed it. She said, what I always knew was my parents came first to each other and I was secondary, that this thing was always it, that that was always first and I was secondary. And sometimes we upset that and we become, we become very permissive in that. And it's a, it's a big mistake. It's a big mistake because what that does is that puts a child in the adult seat and the adult in the children seat. And those are not appropriate spaces. We have to let children be children so that they can develop into adults. Uh, we have to allow them to go through those stages of that and earn their way up from the, from beginner to equal. And that's the progress of a person. We're not trying to raise good kids. We're trying to raise great adults. And so in doing that, there's a higher call and a higher challenge that I'm counting on people to do well, because otherwise I have to live and lead their (laughs) their crappy kids. Like and I the other thing that I loved was uh, she talked about the separation from this narcissistic narcissistic view of our kids being mini me's right? And I believe that is a narcissistic view. Our, our kids are not mini me's. Our kids are their own people. And I get that. Like, I'm not trying to make a big thing out of small things, but one of the most important lessons that I've learned as a father is that my son is not a smaller version of me. He is the. He, uh, my job is to help him be the biggest version of him that he can be, to be the, be the most authentic version of himself. And that's that's the work that I get to do, but that's also the work that he has to do. And so I just create the environment where that work can happen so that he's not a good kid. He's not a good teenager. He's, but he's a good adult who's having a great experience with life and going through and experiencing the full range of emotion and being able to generously give that gift to other people who may not have had the same upbringing. And, and that's that redefinition of privilege, I think is really accurate with the one that's going to serve society and all the people in it the best. Hey, this is Brian Delaney with Unlock Potential. We've recently released our new Patreon that provides exclusive content to our members in order to help you get to the next level in your life. Let's grow. 95%
1: of the time, I don't like the voice that's going on in my head. Hmm. And so I have to like, I have to like stop that. I have to kind of hack that, right? So. Um, for me in the mornings it is key for me to get up and put someone I feel inspired by in my brain Mm. Um, and I have to move my body yep and so because I do think motion breaks down emotion it metabolizes it and (laughs) (laughs) and so as I'm metabolizing my emotion for me, I'm wanting to fill my head with inspiration.
0: Yeah.
1: So I'm replacing strong emotions with inspiration. Is mm-hmm. what I try to do a lot of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I encourage all people to do that because I always want to live from an inspired place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll be honest, my how I wake up in the morning is not always inspired.
0: One hundred percent.
1: Right, and so. It doesn't mean I have to. It, it's it's not about finding it out there. It's about being inspired out there to go inward, inside to to, to lock in and to connect with my own inspiration mm-hmm. and what motivates me and how do I want to show up today? Because I am a believer in it is is in taking responsibility. Of the energy you bring to a room, mm-hmm. it's our responsibility
0: to to take to take charge of that. In the Patreon, we went into this more. So if you if you didn't get a chance to uh, go there and you're watching this, you're you're being involved in that conversation. Definitely do that. We're we're just going to keep downloading. And the cool thing is, if you sign up and we don't provide valuable content, there's instant feedback for us, right? So it's kind of a commitment for us to grow together. But one of the things uh, that Meredith talked about inside of the uh, Patreon um, that was so powerful. Um, what, and she talked about it during the, uh, just during our, the main part of our conversation, uh, was just this emotional regulation was how do we get to these places of emotional regulation? And one of the things that she, uh, she said was uh, she kept repeating, I just go, I, I go inward, I go inward. And I think when people hear that they may have different perceptions of that, but she's trained herself on how to go inward and what to do once she gets in there. It's kind of like the difference between me and a train mechanic, right? My car breaks down on the side of the road. I go in there, (laughs) right? I lift up the hood and I'm like, all right, oil seems fine. Seems like I got enough windshield washer fluid, (laughs) right? Uh, uh, Batteries still in there, (laughs) still in there. Whereas a mechanic, when they go in, they look at it. And they, they know right where to look, where there's problems. And they start to look for the easiest to solve problems first. And they start to troubleshoot, right? And what, what um, if, you, if you really get what she was saying, and I hope it, uh, I know it'll come across because it always does, but she, would, she, she was talking as a trained mechanic. And I think all of us deserve to be trained mechanics when it comes to ourselves. And so she's able to crack open that hood to go in there and start to say, wow, I haven't been giving myself enough of this. I, you know, I'm low on, I'm low on this, right? Or maybe I've had too much of this, or maybe this part's misaligned and that kind of thing. And she understands what her response needs to be, that the simple response to that, that gets her into the best situation, the highest percentage of times. So I think that's, it's so important to know breathing, right? Breathing in the moment can change so much talking about exercise. So much of that does so much for us because this whole thing of like having too much emotion, I have gotten to that place plenty where I've been emotionally overwhelmed. What does that mean? You're feeling too much to do nothing about it. Whenever we're in that spot, we're feeling too much to do nothing about it. So what's a relief valve? Do something about it that's not going to cause wreckage. Move. Move. You have to move. Emote, the root word for emotions, means to move. It literally means to move. They give us instructions in words, but sometimes we lose the context and the meaning of the words. The word is instructional. It's not just a word. It says to move. I'm having a lot of big mo- emotions right now. You better have a big two move. Then a big movement needs to happen, right? What's that movement going to be? Are you going to go for a long walk until you, until you like hanging out with yourself again? Like, are you going to, are, are you going to go lift weights? Don't get too angry because you'll hurt yourself. Right? Are What are you going to do to process this big two move that's happening within you? Right? And I think, the more options we have when it comes to that, the more we're able to regulate ourselves to get ourselves back into our best self or an ideal state in a wide array of circumstances. And this, if you want an example of that, that I can't speak to myself, uh, but I've I've absolutely been floored with. If If you're watching this and you have not read Man's Search for Meaning, please read that book. Please read Man's Search for Meaning because in the midst of uh, uh, in the midst of the Holocaust and a, uh, in one of the, in one of the Jewish, they called them training camps. Okay. Training camps. That's what it was. It was a work camp. It was a training camp. What we all know was it was a death camp and they all knew it too. The only person who called it a work camp or a training camp were the guards. Right. And that was to get them in. It was a death camp. The the author of Man's Search for Meaning says that even in the midst of that he was able to choose. And that nobody was able to take his right to choose away because his right to choose was the last bit of humanity that he had left that nobody could take away. All right? Do you have the ability to choose when to end a bad emotion? When to end an emotion. Like do you have the ability to choose that? Or do you just stay angry until you're not angry anymore? Because I think if you stay angry till you're not angry anymore, you're going to end up with a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment, and end up hurting a lot of other people in the same way that you've been hurt and perpetuating a cycle that you cannot sustain, nor can the world. Look at the conflicts that happen in this world. Look at the lack of communication. Look at the lack of sustainability. Isn't it about time people got a hold of themselves and started from, it started from the inside and started with just one other person? Isn't it about time that people took responsibility for their own emotional states and didn't see themselves as a victim of their own emotional states, but realize that you're having this emotion, this feeling comes from that emotion, that action that you take is 100% your decision, and you need to be fully accountable and responsible for that. Are you able to even start there? Because that's where it does start. Well, I had to quit that job. You did, not, you did not take the ability to choose. You were not free to choose. You decided to give up your freedom to choose. Anytime you say I had to, say, I, I gave up my freedom to choose. I was not free to choose. I was not free to choose because that's exactly what you're saying. And that's what you're telling yourself. So let's be free to choose. Let's be free to choose. Let's be free to choose the emotions that we want to experience and how we want to have other people, what we want other people's experience of us to be. Let's choose that. Let's choose that. Let's choose that. In fact, right now, this is an action time choose, choose that you are going to, for the rest of the day, just be aware and notice what your emotions are. Be, be, just be aware of it. Don't try to fix them. Just be aware of them and write them down. Because when people have a small vocabulary around the feelings or emotions they have, they also have a small toolkit for how to work with themselves and there's nobody who's going to be better at working on yourself than you so it's time to grow it's time to unlock that potential thanks again for joining us for this conversation head right over to our patreon for exclusive content including more from our conversation today Thank you all for joining our conversations. We're developing this platform for simple, profound tools and techniques that can help you get the best out of your life and more importantly, unlock potential. You can find me across all social platforms at The Brian Delaney and online. Come visit us at thebriandelaney.com.